Well, if you can see up here, there's a picture of my dog. It's very hard to see right here, but we have our little uh, black miniature schnauzer uh, to the left. His name is Dirk. And then this is Colonel. He is our rag doll, mink rag doll. And I asked uh, Mary and Sydney if they had a picture of both of them together, and they did not because these two don't really get along. Dirk, he is a nice guy, a very sweet guy, but he does not have a lot going on upstairs. And Colonel, he just thinks he's better than everyone else. Three weeks ago, we decided to put in a little doggy door. And this doggy door is actually really cool. You put a collar on Dirk, and Dirk goes over to the door, and the door just automatically slides open when he goes and he goes out. And then when he ready when he's ready to come back, door slides open, he comes in. It took him like three weeks for him to figure out how to do this. Dirk's Dirk's not that bright. He's not that bright. And Colonel. Colonel knows Dirk's not that bright. And so Colonel goes and Colonel stays inside the house because rag dolls, they don't have much of a defense mechanism. And so they're supposed to stay inside the house. And Colonel goes to the doggy door and he stands in front of it and wonders, what does this dog know that I don't? He's angry. He wants what Dirk has, he wants to go outside. He doesn't realize that there's coyotes outside that, uh, that have, have killed several cats in our neighborhood. He wants outside. He wants what Dirk has. Sometimes in our life, don't we want what others have? We might not even realize that it's good for us or bad for us. We just want what others have. And whenever we go into this week of Thanksgiving... Sometimes it's hard to be thankful because we want what others have and we don't feel like we have what we should have. But one of the things that almost all of us probably have a plethora of is the ability to complain. It's easy to complain, right? Complaining comes easy. We, we complain about what we don't have. And sometimes we look at the things that we do have and we complain about what we do have. We complain about all the people in our lives. Sometimes you might be seeing family this week and you complain about, ah, I'm going to have to put up with them or, or deal with this. Or maybe you're complaining because you don't have uh, family or you don't have people special in, in your life right, right now. You, maybe you feel like you should have more. Each of us has things that we complain about. And it's not hard to think about all the stuff we have, all the stuff we want, all the issues going on in our life. It's never hard to find, uh, be critical about certain things. If you go on to Facebook or YouTube and you watch a video of something that you thought was really cool or really sweet or very nice, and then you read the comments, someone is always going to complain. And it doesn't matter what it is, there's going to be a complaint about something out there. Matter of fact, I was watching uh, this past week and there was, there was this uh, picture of someone that made these trees make a loop inside them. Have you ever seen this? So it's kind of like this bonsai able to make a tree uh, and it probably takes years and years and it made a loop in a tree. 
And I don't know who would really care about if there's a loop in a tree or not, but there is a whole section of people that cannot stand that someone would mess with a tree and make a loop. It said, how dare they? And I don't know the tree really cares one way or the other. But there's people out there. We have complainers. And it's hard to be thankful sometimes in this world because complaining comes a whole lot easier. And it's easier to find people that are complaining versus people that are thankful for... How dare y'all make that? See, look at this. I can complain about all sorts of things. Just kidding. It was have little updates happen. Um, it's easy to find things to complain about. It's easy. But how much do complaints help us in our life? Does it make us feel good about ourselves to complain? Does it help our lives? Does it help us advance as a people, as a society, to sit there and complain? Or can we live a life where we're thankful for what we have and choose instead of complaining about what we don't, bless others with what we do? I'm going to read you something from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we were awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So what is it saying right here? We were not created to live a life that we hold our head in shame. We weren't created to go around complaining about the things that, that we don't have, or the things that are going wrong in our life. We were created, our purpose was to encourage others was to go around and show encouragement for others. And so, how do we live a life of thankfulness and a life of blessing and a life of happiness? I don't think it has anything to do with what we have, but it's what we're willing to give others. I think about a time when I was uh, working my first job outside of college, and I was a professional headhunter at a place called Thorn Network in Irving, Texas. And we would go there and we would call people up and we would try to get them to quit their job and to come and work for a different company. And the job was fine. It was, uh, we only had to work four days a week. And so that was, that was nice. We had long days. But every day during lunch, we just had 30 minute lunch that we all went in and met in the break room at lunch. And we would sit around at the table and everyone would complain. Everyone would just gripe about what we didn't like about the job, what we didn't like about our manager, what we didn't like about everything that was going on here. And the typical lifespan of an employee at that, com at that uh, company was about three months. Three months! That's not long, huh? But one of the things that this company offered was all you had to do is get four hires in a month. If you got four hires in a month, you could have been done with the rest of the month. You didn't have to come back until next month. 
So that meant sometimes if you, if you really did well, you could start out at the beginning of the month, get your four hires, and you could have two weeks off and you'd get paid the same. What would happen is if we, instead of gathering around each other and complained about the issues we had at the company, encouraged each other to be the best possible headhunter we could be? What if we, we did that and we saw that some people actually were able to get the four people in that month and they were able to take a week off? A free week without va- having to spend any vacation. Wouldn't we become better people? You see, when we encourage each other, we don't just encourage each other for the things that they're doing well in this life, but we can encourage each other to be what God has created you to be. That's what God wants us to do. When we go out there and we, when we encourage each other and we build each other up, we really want to see the beautiful qualities that each of us have All of us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, see the qualities they have and see the potential they have and speak words that encourage them to get to where they want to be. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What is the writer of Hebrews telling us? We need to spur each other on. We are going through tough times. There's there's always tough times. Right now, in 2020, it seems particularly tough. But no matter what your life is, where you're at, you are going to have some tough experiences in your life. You're going to have things that you don't like going on in your life. And we need to be encouragers of one another. Help each other. Build each other up. One of the things that's nice for me, um, I don't know how, how many of you get to experience this, but just because I'm, I happen to be the one that gets up here on this stage on Sunday morning, I get lots of encouragement from people. And each time I tell people thank you for that, and hopefully uh, God is praised through what happens up here, and I don't say that lightly, I really do thank you for the encouragement that you give me. Because sometimes I'll come up here and I think, whew, I just was speaking too long or I didn't like how I said this or what. So encouragement helps. One of the great encouragers that I get is from Chris right here. And Chris could have this mindset of, I preached here for 30 years. How long did you preach here? It seemed that long. He said, I could do better. I could do it. And that's sometimes what we think. And maybe that's true. (laughs) <laughs> but I do get lots of encouragement from him. And that's not, that's not common. That's not likely. And thank you for that. Thank you for the encouragement you give us. How are we helping each other out? How do we see the potential in others and say, how can I encourage you to do better? How can I encourage you to be better? How can I encourage you to do what God has destined you to do? And to do that, we spur each other on. In love. One of the hard things about uh, encouraging everyone that we come in contact with is we've got some interesting folks in our midst, right? This congregation is filled with interesting people. 
I'm not going to say who, but there is a couple that is uh, about to be married for 59 years. And one of them's married to a very interesting person. <laughs> but also a person that blesses us. Also a person that is, is fun to be, or with, be with. Me and John, I, I try. We, we've only done it once, but we talk about it every year. Go and celebrate our birthdays together at Denny's because we're one day apart. One day and 60 years apart. <laughs> we have people that are hard to get along with the more you get to know someone the stranger you find out that they are right the more strangeness you find and that's with all of us and maybe we think if we lived our life and everyone was exactly like us everyone thought the way we thought Everyone believed the way we believed. Everyone voted the way we voted. Everyone uh, did everything the same. This world would be perfect, right? You might think that. That's nothing of what God wanted. God wants us to be different. If you look on the movie Star Wars, right, or all the movies of Star Wars, you see... Every time they go to these different planets, all these planets are the exact same thing of something, right? And so you go to this desert planet, the whole planet's a desert. You go to, uh, you go to this icy planet, the whole planet's made with ice. Whole planet's made of a forest. When God created this earth, for you and me specifically, what did he do? He created it with so much variety. So much variety. You have desert places. You have places that look like Mars, but then you have places that are lush and green, and you have, and you have mountains, and you have beaches, and you have the nice piney woods of East Texas. God loves variety. God created this variety. He created us to look differently. He created us, He gave different languages because we rely more on Him than us whenever we can't work together as, as well. That's what He did with the Tower of Babel. He, get, he created us to have differences. And those differences were called to reach out to Him and rely on Him. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses one, it says, I urge you to live a life of worthiness of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all, and in all. We might have lots of differences, but what do we have in common? We have one Lord, one faith, one church, one baptism, one spirit that encompasses all of us. And so we're called not just to encourage each other, 
But we're called to go and accept each other. And how do we accept each other? Because a lot of us have differences of opinions, different, different, uh, different idiosyncrasies. We're called to accept each other in love and point the way to the Father through that love. After I worked at uh, Thorn Network, I moved on and worked for a chemical company and I recruited people for a while. And then I moved into human resources at Trammell Crow. And at Trammell Crow, I worked in a department where I was the only guy in my department. The only guy. And so we'd go out to lunch and I'd go to lunch and there was me and 12, 12 ladies and the waiter would always say, oh, lucky you. And I'm like, well, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> but around the holiday time, these ladies in this department, this human resources department, they would get gifts and, and, and nice little goodie bags and do nice little things for everyone. And maybe that's a, a thing that, that ladies do that guys don't do, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a kind of a sorry individual and I just didn't do it. But every year, they got these goodie bags and they sent cards and they said, and, and they, and they wished me, uh, uh, Merry Christmas. And so many years I just didn't do it because I was like, I'm the guy. It doesn't matter. I'm different. I don't need to do that kind of stuff. Until it starts working on my heart a little bit. I was like, all right, why are they doing so many nice things and I'm not doing what they're, what they're doing? Why am I not returning this favor? When we have one Lord and one faith and one baptism, when we read these Scriptures, we know that Jesus Christ is the way. He's the only way. But there are some of us that we struggle to believe in, in maybe the same things. How do we reach these people? Do we go out condemning them? Do we go out and, and tell them how wrong they are? Well, we can discuss these differences. We can discuss why we believe the way we believe. But how do we discuss that? We discuss it in love. You see, the thing that got me to change towards the end and send out cards or maybe send out little goodie bags was these women continued to show love year after year after year after I was this uh, little scoundrel that didn't ever do anything. They still showed love. And so in a Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. What is this telling us? When we're dealing with different people, different people in the church, people that wrong us, people that might have hurt us, people have said things that, that, uh, that we didn't like, or people that didn't say things to us, maybe they didn't tell us happy birthday, or they didn't tell us, um, I'm sorry about this or that going on in your life. 
tells us to forgive them, to deal gently with them, to treat them with love. And when we do this, we're able to show the love of the Father. See, we are called as God's people to serve others. To serve others in our congregation. To serve others in our neighborhood. To serve others that we come in contact with. And the book of Galatians is an interesting book because the book of Galatians is all about our freedom. It's all about our freedom in Christ. And how we're free from the bondage of sin. But in Galatians chapter 5, as, as Paul is starting to sum up this letter that he's writing to these people, he wants us to, them to understand this. He says, in Galatians 5 verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. What is he saying here? We're free people. We don't have to do nice little things for each other. We don't have to come and serve. We don't have to do all these little things, but don't use your freedom just to indulge your flesh, just to, just to do what you want to do. Because that's not where you'll find happiness. That's not where you'll find thankfulness. You will find that when we serve each other. See, this past week, um, I knew there were going to be several uh, folks that were under the weather and... and uh, Different things ha happening on Thursday while we had uh, we do our Tri-C luncheon. And I knew I was going to have to leave early because um, a meeting that I had. And I was worried, all right, and, and this is Jaime's job, and so Jaime's really probably the one that, that might have been concerned about this as well, is, all right, are we going to have enough people out here to serve, right? Were you probably thinking that? I was thinking that too. And then when I get there, I see folks out there and, and, and these these folks that are here all the time, and I see someone like Steve that's out there, and Steve is almost always there. And I think, good old Steve, what a great servant. What a great server out there. You know, Steve's, you'll get a good conversation with him, but sometimes you think Steve's kind of quiet, right? <laughs> but Steve is a servant. What a beautiful thing. Something simple, but something that probably uh, definitely eased Jaime's anxiety, right? <laughs> Let's see, all right, we've got folks here to help out. And there's others that come. And there's these little servants all over the church that, that do things all the time. So we serve for each other. We serve folks that we come in contact with. We serve our family. And who are we really serving when we're doing this. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
So whether we're serving our boss at work, or we're serving folks around our neighborhood, or we're serving within the church, what Paul's saying right there in Colossians is the real person we're serving is our Lord. That's who we truly are serving. And so how do we serve? We serve with all of our heart. Everything that we're doing, we're making sure that we're giving it our best. Because that glory reflects on our Lord. You see, who we follow, who we should always follow in our life, is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who lived His entire life as a servant. And when it comes to the end of Jesus' life, when He's doing His ultimate job of of service to to this world, the reason that He came to this world to die for us, He's taken out and He's hanging on a cross. And it'd be bad enough that you were just tortured the night before. And bad enough that uh, you're, you know that, that you're going to die an excruciating death. But what was horrible is he looks and the people that are supposed to represent God's people are the ones hurling insults at him. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 41, it says, In the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from that cross and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. And in the same way, the criminals who were crucified with him heaped insults on him. The religious leaders of the world are insulting our Lord and our Savior, our Messiah. And the people that are on the cross next to Him that are also dying, that are also probably experiencing the worst day of their life, are also heaping insults on Him. And it kind of makes sense for these guys that are on His right and on His left to be insulting Him. They're having a tough time. They're having a horrible day. Their last day on this earth is going to be miserable, suffering. And so what do we do when things happen in our life, when we have tough times? We choose to take it out on others. We can't do anything for ourselves, so we decide to insult others. We decide to be mean to others. We decide to just be cruel. And that's what these two guys are doing. But they see something a little different about this man in the middle of the cross. They see he's choosing not to take it out on others. But he's choosing a different path. In Luke chapter 23, verse 33, it says, When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. While they were making insults, while the religious leaders are making insults, while all the people out there are mocking Jesus, 
He's still accepting them. He's still saying, God, they don't know what they're doing. What does that teach us? We live a life of service like our Lord. Do what we're called to do. Serve in any way we can. But we also look around and we see opportunities and we still try to show them God's love. Still accept them in the, in the middle of their insults. Jesus still accepts them. And still wants them to come to have a relationship with Him. And He probably says this specifically for this man that's standing, standing right next to Him or hanging right next to Him. That He sees that there's a different route, a different way. It says one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Him, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked Him. Probably after time, in Matthew it talks about how both of them insulted him, and probably that's what started. But when he sees something different, he wants something different. He doesn't want just to have a death that leads to full separation of God. But he wants something more in his life. He wants to be part of Jesus' kingdom. It says in 40, the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus gives this last bit of encouragement that's going to change this criminal's life. It's going to change his eternity because in verse 43 it says, Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. What a beautiful thing that in Jesus' dying moments, he's still reaching out. He's still trying to encourage others. He's still trying to accept others. He's still trying to serve others. Even as, as he's hanging from the cross. So do you want to experience a life of happiness? A life of thankfulness? A good life here on this earth? A life where we can live in paradise with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? It begins by using what we have and blessing others. Blessing others with encouragement, Accepting others, and that doesn't mean just accepting everything and changing our life, but still showing them the one God, the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism. But doing it in love, doing it in obedience to Him. You can have all these things. You can live with our God forever in paradise. We have to be willing to give of ourselves and not see, seek our own desires first but look to bless others. If we can help you today, if we can pray for you, or if we can uh, uh, baptize you into the name of Jesus Christ, show you a life in Jesus Christ, we can do that. Whatever you need, please come while we stand and sing.